It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. To some, the barbershop's the one place where you can sit down, relax, and just talk. Every barber is a counsellor. Every barber is a counsellor. What I will say there is not every barber is a good one. <laughs> Slider Cut, sometimes known as Mark McIver, is a pretty good counsellor and a very good barber. He's cut for people like Anthony Joshua, LeBron James, Reggie Yates just left when we arrived at his shop in Hackney. He's a man who understands hair and also how to run a business. Like I haven't got these big goals and plans for life but my drive can't help me going that way. So whatever I do, I just have to push the limit. He's taken his brand from a room in his mum's house where he cut his cousin's hair to global recognition, overcoming one or two obstacles on the way, sometimes just with determination. The rat was massive. <laughs> it was the day of the launch, and we just the day before we had painted the floor, and we saw the rat prints on the floor because it was wet paint. <laughs> <laughs> I'm David Marlson from the Evening Standard and we're meeting Mark at his now iconic barbershop on Hackney Road and I want to know what it took for a young man with no cash or connections to even get a start. I had basically maxed out my credit when I opened up this shop because they say a few months beforehand like um, getting the lease for the shop or establishing you know what the lease is going to cost and so on I just bought my family home. My whole thing at the time was I'm going into business I said I know it's going to work, but at the same time, I still got to be sensible mm -hmm. because I've got a child, I'm married, we're gonna have more children. So I was like, I wanna make sure that no matter what happens in the business, my home life is set. Yeah. So we have a space that we're comfortable in, in the location we wanna be in, it's got enough rooms and all those things there. After I did that and making sure I did that first, I was like, okay, cool, I can go all out on business because that's already sorted out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. no matter what happens, <laughs> even if this fails, we got my home. <laughs> you know, so because of that, I was already like stretched. So the mainstream bank wouldn't give me any money at that time there. So I had to like be very resourceful and I had to borrow money off people. I had to get back end loans. And what I mean by back end loans, I'm talking about going online and being like, you know, cheap like loans, just like just you know, just looking at all the companies, loans is like, okay, cool, you're willing to borrow me ten thousand pounds, okay, but I have to pay you back what twenty thousand pounds. I'm like, okay, but you know, what else can I do? Because no one yeah. else is giving me money and I believe in this business. I believe, you know, because what happened as well was this business that I opened up, it took me two years to find a location. 
So I spent two years finding the right location because I knew that the location was going to be so important. I always knew that anywhere I went, I could be booked up as a barber. But I wasn't trying to find a space for me as a barber. I was setting up a business to facilitate other people. So even when people were saying to me, what does it matter? Like people will follow you. I'm like, you're thinking small. What about everybody else? You know, it was important to find a good location, a location that, you know, that you could grow into. In here, we've got like 10 chairs in here right now. We've got another one being built in the next couple of weeks. There's going to be an 11th chair. We've got a space at the back, which holds probably another five or six chairs. You know, we've got, you know, basement downstairs for stuff. And it's kind of like, we've got a big space that we can grow into. So yeah, it costs money to fit mm -hmm. out. When I came to this place, this was rat infested. And when I rat, rat infested, I don't say that as kind of like just a statement, a throwaway statement. I mean, no, literally I came in here and, and I saw a rat run past, like jump out of that wall there <laughs> and run past and I'm like, how big was this rat? The rat was massive. <laughs> there were holes everywhere. The roof in the back had no, half the roof was off. So it was just being raining inside. The place was molded. It was like, this place was a wreck. The area's downstairs, the rat's gonna come through there. They started coming through the drains. So we had sealed up this area in the toilet. And I remember it being like, it was the day of the launch. And we just, the day before we had painted the floor and it chewed through the wall. And we saw the rat prints on the floor because it was wet paint. <laughs> and that was like the day of launching the shop and I remember being in the morning being like oh my goodness I think to the builders like where are they coming from I thought we got rid of them I thought we dealt with everything <laughs> and they're like oh then we ran, found out they're coming through the drain so then I had to pay an extra thousand pounds or whatever it was to go into the drain things and then they had to put some valves things on it and then it's just kind of like it's just, it cost a lot of money to open yeah. up this shop, right? And so finding money was hard because it's like, I had no money to do it. And things just kept on coming up that I had to keep adding to it. It's just kind of like finding money. So I said, I went to payday loans. I went to people who I know. I offered people high interest. So I'd be like to friends, I'd be like, if you can borrow me money, like whatever you give me, I'll get it back to you like in a month, two months, you know, I'll give you 10%, you know, back. So I remember borrowing like 10,000 pounds of a friend, like four or five weeks, I paid him back 11,000 pounds. Loads of people offered me money to invest, like loads. Everybody wanted to invest because I was at, in a place at the time where the brand side of Cuts was a, quite a big name in barbering, even though I was working in a barber shop. And people, everyone saw the vision, the same way I saw the vision. Yeah. So everybody wanted to invest. So everyone's kind of like, we'll give you money. We'll give you 50,000 pounds. We'll give you 100,000 pounds. We'll give you, like they I all wanted to invest. <laughs> it was very tempting. There was a stage when I felt like taking it, but my issue was that I knew that the only thing you were bringing to this business was money. And once I got this business open, the value of the business went up. So I knew as soon as I opened up these doors, the shares that you want to buy for the price you want to buy them at, go up a lot higher. So I was like, I can't take money from people to invest and they're not even adding anything to the growth of the business. So I would rather take high interest loans. It's an interest alone. I think I paid back about 70 to 100,000 pounds. But the way I saw that was, I am paying to have full ownership of my business. Because instead, the alternative would have been that I would have given someone shares and they could own 20% of my business or 30% of my business, right? And they would have given me 100,000 pounds, whatever it is, right? And now they'd own a part of the business and they would have got it at a very low valuation. So it was important for me to say, I need to do this by myself. You know, it's not that I would never sell shares of the business. I just knew that at that time, it was a bad time to take investment just because you needed money. Sounds like a lot of high risk though. Would you recommend other people do the same thing themselves? I would recommend it if you honestly know the value of your business. The issue I think with a lot of businesses are they don't value themselves correctly. You know, they either 
overvalue themselves or some people undervalue themselves you know but there's a lot of people who overvalue themselves because they base their businesses off what they want yeah. and don't like look at the public and look at it honestly like is you have you got a good business you know is it is it, is it well sought after it's important that for people to get external people to come and actually value their business and don't argue with them about the valuation they give to you if they think it's valued at let's just say a hundred thousand pounds as example don't argue as to why it should be valued at three hundred thousand pounds because that's the same way you're going to be arguing to kind of get money into your business because you're going to be trying to convince people you know why they should be buying into your business and so on so just keep it like that and i feel like you know if you get it valued like that and you're honest about what your business is then take the risk yeah if you believe in it but i don't want to promote this message because i don't honestly believe this whole thing where it's just if you believe it works out no it needs to be backed up by some facts and some good foundation you just can't believe you just can't yeah. say you know i believe if i close my eyes and walk across the road i won't get hit by a car <laughs> you know because sometimes sometimes people do this kind of thing with every fairy i'm not trying to be offensive but it's just kind of like we're in business right now yeah. you know so actually you can believe that but how about believe that because this road no one can go drive down this road it's a blocked off road so the reason why i believe i can walk across the street with my eyes closed and not get hit by a car is because factually i know that no cars can drive down this road <laughs> do your research do your when you research. do your research yeah. No, and and, yeah. yeah and actually undervaluing because that's people something people don't really talk about very often we all we all go big on overvaluing yeah. and people giving themselves ridiculous valuations but undervaluing can be really important you've got to you've got to exactly work out what this thing is worth because if you go too low you could get taken advantage yes, of for example yes even at a time when i look back at what the shares would have been for what i'd have sold my shares for i was way undervaluing myself way undervaluing it and, and, and it's because also i couldn't see i thought the shop was going to work out yeah. i just didn't see how big it was going to be and sometimes that's why you need external people coming in to talk to you and look at them and even give you ideas of what can happen because you can only see what you can see. You know, if your vision only sees 20 feet in front of you, you can only see 20 feet in front of you. But there might be someone else who's already a couple steps in front of you who can also say to you, hey, do you know what? If this works out, you get past this base stage, you can then do this and this can come from this and you can do that and you can stretch into products and endorsements and all these things that you can't see. Because what you don't realize is you're valuing your business on the basis of let's say the barber shop oh i get this many barbers in they cut this much hair that's the value of the business but you're not thinking oh what about the products you're going to sell for the business yeah you know that actually because you know, products you know and a lot of especially salons products make up like 20 30 percent of their revenue but you're not adding that in when you're valuing and you're telling people yeah you know take this many shares you're not, you're not thinking about products <laughs> or yeah. you know what about renting out your space it's a big business renting out your space to commercials and things like that never you're not thinking about that i wasn't thinking about those things there I was just thinking about the space of the business, the core of the business. You know, I wasn't thinking about products. I wasn't thinking about renting out the space and other things you can do. And that's why it's important to speak to people that have done it before you. And also, more importantly, pay. It's what I tell people. <laughs> it's like, pay. go speak to someone and say, look, I know you've done it before. Can you speak to me? Can I take an hour, two hours of your time? I'll pay whatever you want. Because some of the mistakes I even made in the journey, if I had someone in front of me, because the issue with me was, it's not that I wouldn't be willing to pay, is that, in the industry which I'm in, um, for what I was doing, I'm kind of like one of the first people doing what I was doing. You know, there's been hair salons before me and stuff like that, but to the level I was trying to do it as, as a black business, so I didn't have anyone in front of me. 
So what instead I made a mistake and I fell and I told the people behind me, oh, don't do that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that's quite interesting to me as well, because on, on previous podcasts, people have raised issues about um, difficulties being black business people and not having people in front of you, like yeah. you just said. The, yeah. the, you know, you're, you're the people making the innovations now. Yeah. Why is that effectively? <laughs> well, where has black business been? I think it comes from a place of, so if you look at the difference between the Caribbeans and the Africans as examples, so let's say the Africans, let's say like my mum, she moved to this country, so she's first generation, I'm kind of first generation born here, my mum moved to this country, Caribbeans, the people which are my age group are kind of like the grandchildren, so their parents, like their parents were born here, but their grandparents all moved here, so we're relatively very new to this country. So when you go to a country, it takes time to work out how the system actually works. If I move to China right now, I wouldn't understand how to run business and the culture of the business. So I'm going to do it from the mindset of a British person and being like, how do we run business in Britain? But then in China, it might be totally different. The culture, the ethics, the way you do things, the mindset is totally different. So then what you find is my child who maybe is born in China, now he or she, growing up in that culture, can run business a lot better than I can, right? And that's what I think has happened in black businesses in this country. You know, my mum owned a business when I was a kid. Like she owned a news agent, you know, and it closed down because her storehouse that stored everything in it, all her supplies, you know, the drinks, the food, everything like that got robbed. And I don't think she had insurance. But the reason why she didn't have insurance is because in Nigeria, they didn't have insurance. That wasn't something yeah. you had. It wasn't like a system like that. So she came over here and she just done it as she was doing in Nigeria. And then we had to close down the shop and then we were out of our house because we couldn't keep up with the payments because we, we were living in a flat above the shop as well. And then we were homeless. And that was not because someone came here, you know, seeking refuge or nothing like that. No, she came here and she was just running business. But the culture that, of this country, she didn't understand. It's not that, you know, black people came to this country and they didn't want to run businesses. They run businesses. They've got loads of businesses. There's a lot of them haven't been successful because they haven't understood the culture of the country. But then now the younger people being born in this country, you know, and being raised in this country are understanding it more. So that's why you're seeing more so now black businesses now starting to boom. Yeah. So if it's a generational thing, then there must be like a huge number of black people your age younger ready to step up right now yeah. is the support for them there right now or are they going to have to keep charging their way through it for a bit well because since we're kind of like my age group i'm saying it's kind of like first generation which is now actually pushing in that direction it means that there's hard to be support because i'm going to act and say there's no one out there who was willing to help me or to talk to me. The issue was in my industry was the people that had done it before me had done it in a different culture. Mm -hmm. So even when they talked to me, they didn't understand that it's totally different. So as example, I might be talking to John Smith who owns Salon, blah, 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 you know, and doing a great job. And he is like doing an amazing job. And he's giving me advice. The issue with his advice was it wasn't applicable to the culture I'm dealing with. Because he's talking about it from the mindset of the people and the type of clients he deals with, right? Let's just say, just up your prices, they might say. Just up your prices. But you might not realize that the demographic of people I'm dealing with are poorer demographic. So you can't up it that much. And you can't sell them this. Or where they're coming from, actually, they, won't, they don't buy this type of thing from this type of shop. And so it means that what he's saying isn't wrong to what he's doing but he can't convert it to the kind of culture I'm dealing with. So it's hard for him to give me advice. He can give me basic advice and stuff like that, you know, um, over overviews, but it's hard because it's a different demographic. So it's not his fault at all. So where I'm now doing it, 
now because I'm experiencing it, I'm in this culture, when I'm talking to other businesses as example and other hairdressers and mental people and stuff like that, it's very relatable because I know exactly what they're going through and I know the demographic of people they're dealing with as well. So when I'm giving them information, we're coming from the same place. Let's take a break. And while the ads are on, why not give How To Be A CEO a follow, rate and review? Bet you can do it faster than it takes to listen to the commercials. Are you ready? Go. What would be the proudest thing for you? My proudest thing from the business I set up is the employees. And the reason why it's my proudest thing is because I've been put in a position, fortunately, you know, that I've been able to give other people a job that pays them well. And not only just like, just a job, because, you know, giving a job, first of all, is a big thing, especially when, you know, there's job cuts and stuff like that. To be able to give someone a job just by itself, I think is a massive thing. And I don't think people understand how big our mother thing that actually is. There's loads of people who want jobs, who cannot get jobs, you know. So you change someone's life when you give someone a job full stop but then give us on a job that also pays well and then I've seen people talking about they're getting married that's from the job and then also it's people from all the surrounding communities as well because often well-paying jobs go to a sector of people and I'm not talking even about even demographic I'm just talking about sector of people you know you have to do this you have to do that you have to come from this background all these kind of different things right I love the fact that we're going to be able to hire people from this area yeah. and people who may have thought they would might never be able to earn that type of money and I put them in in that position. There's about 20 people that work besides because you don't see the back end, the assistants, the PA, the PA, the EA, publicists, the web person. On the shop floor, including the receptionist, there might be like 11 people, 12 people here as example. But there's another eight people you don't see, which is making this tick over. <laughs> you know, and when I, all these people, I'm just like, right, I'm helping to help them live life and pay their bills and so on. And that's my proudest achievement. Yeah. So who are you taking inspiration from? Because I'm thinking, you know, the slider cuts, like way back at the beginning of this, you were talking about the slider cuts brand. And clearly you, from a very young age, you were seeing this as a brand. Yeah. You've got a big social yeah. media presence. I mean, were you taking ideas from people or were you just going, I think this will work and I'm just going to accept it. Let's see what happens. I think it's a bit of both. You know, I think with everyone, you know, there's sometimes it's just luck and chance, fortune. But there's also just being proactive. But I, so I took inspiration from different people in a sense of like, there wasn't like a particular person that inspired me for everything, but there's different people that inspired me for different elements of business. So I might be speaking to like a client I have and he runs a record company and he's just talking to me and he might not even realize that I'm taking inspiration from what he's done. He's just talking, but I'm listening thinking, wow, that makes so much sense. But what else can you get while you get haircuts? What, what else are they doing when they go else places? That's why I'm making my own products right now you know this year they'll be coming out because i'm making them from scratch i'm not white labeling them or nothing like that i've got my brushes i've got the combs i've got different products i've got shampoos i've got pomades you know but the whole thing is kind of like you come here to get a haircut and then go to another shop to buy a comb but why don't you buy that comb from here why don't you buy a slider cards comb yeah that's the power of the brand though as well isn't yeah, it because yeah. you know you could get any old comb but you know i've got the cut i've got the comb used yeah. by slider cards yeah, yeah that i can see that yeah. and we sell sponges like we got these sponges you, you know on afro hair it twists it twists your hair you know they're the biggest selling thing in here because everyone comes in here they, we twist your hair for you but they want to twist their hair themselves when they're at home i wonder does it go the other way around because if you think about your traditional barber shop i mean like those guys were the first counsellors. People yeah, would come yeah. and sit down in the seat. I mean, do you, did you, do you get that experience as well? Are you helping to inspire people too? 
definitely, you know, every barber is a counsellor. <laughs> every barber is a counsellor. What I will say though is not every barber is a good one. <laughs> but nevertheless, you are a counsellor once you are cutting hair and they're in the chair. Because for some reason, um, customers, once they jump into that chair, they just start opening up to you. I've spoken to different customers. I've studied it to try and figure out what it is as to why. And I think it's something to do with the chair being comfortable. It's the vibrations of the trimmers maybe making them feel relaxed and i think oh you standing over a customer as well it almost feels like it's just you and them uh, you know so i think what you realize in this position is especially when you've been doing it for a long time you've seen some of these people grow up where you've given them their first haircut and also here's the other thing as well what people don't realize a barber is at every big moment in someone's life um, when you graduate your birthday your christening you know um your wedding um, starting college, starting university. And I feel like that makes customers feel this thing of this connection, which is another business thing which, I, which a lot of people don't realize that one of the biggest things in retaining clients is the connection you have with that client. Yeah. That connection you have with a client is what forces it, almost feels like it forces the client to come back to you because you build a connection with them. It's almost like, a, it's a, not almost, it's a relationship. But just understanding that connection Right, understand that people will come to you even if they don't even like the haircut that much because they feel this connection yeah. with you and it almost feels like that's why it's always like you know don't cheat on your barber then that whole joke everyone always says and why it feels like cheating to people is because they've built up a connection with you do you think your old manager the guy who hired you in the, in the, for your first job do you think he felt that too I don't know if he felt that I've never actually asked him I don't know if he felt that I, 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 I don't know maybe he did I don't know actually because everybody has different things which they actually aspire to and, you know, that make, warms their heart. Yeah. This is the thing that warms my heart when I think about it, you know, that's the thing. So even like when people say to me, you're going to open up another branch, like people really want me to open up another branch, right? But for me, I'm in a place where I'm trying to live a balanced life. Like I want to run good business, but I also want to spend time with my wife, my children. I want to see them grow up. I want to be around, like literally, because when I get older, having 10 side of cuts, what does that do for the relationships which I had? But the thing that would make me go and open up another branch or open up more branches is being able to give people jobs. That is the reason. I'm not, I'm really not really that bothered. I know it's a business podcast. I'm not trying to you know, dominate the world, you know, but I am trying to help the world. And that's how you can do that through, you know, giving people jobs. And that would be my drive for doing that because you can get to a place where, you know, you're, you can live the way you want to live. You can buy the house you want to live in. You can go on a holiday you want to go in. And then it's kind of like you're comfortable. You're living, you're in your children's life. Then you've got to ask yourself, okay, so I'm pushing forward. What for? And you need that purpose and that goal to help you actually achieve those things as well. And to be honest as well is I am a very driven person. I'm not that ambitious, but I'm very driven. Like I haven't got these big goals and plans for life, but my drive can't help me going that way. So whatever I do, I just have to push to the limit out of nature I can't help but do it so if you tell me hey you know let's do this podcast together I might not have these ambitions to become number one podcast of all time but the way I go about doing things might make you look and say you really want to be the best don't you but I can't help it that's my drive that does that because it's just kind of like anything I do I just feel like well I just want to do to the best of my ability I just want to kind of push to the edge you know so I haven't really got that ambition for world domination and you know, and you could say, let's call it barber world domination. But then the things I do might, from the outside, look like, well, I think you do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How important is it that you get, you know, uh, people that names that other people recognise coming into you? What kind of a difference does that make for your business? 
Yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, you know, we've cut, I've cut LeBron James, Anthony Joshua, Tiny Temper, Reggie X, cut Reggie X this morning. You know, Stormzy, Ludacris, Nelly, um, Plan B. Uh, the, the list goes on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like the, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I remember my age. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Wade, you know, now it's more, more coming to my, coming to my, into my head, you know. Um, J. Cole, um, <laughs> the list goes on and on, right? And some of them, you know, you cut off on one-off situations because they come into the country. Some of them are cut on a more regular basis, like, you know. But the important thing with these guys are not to make your business about them. Yes. And it's a mistake I see a lot of people online make. And I always say, you're doing it wrong. My business can't be about them because if my business is about whoever, any of these guys, if they retire, does my business retire with them? If they get quote-unquote cancelled, even though I hate this cult cancel culture so I hate that whole thing about people getting cancelled you know everyone makes mistakes everyone should be able to redeem themselves so I hate cancel culture anyway but if they get cancelled suddenly what is my business cancelled with them because my you know my business was yeah. about them yeah. you know if they decide to stop does my business stop because my business is all about them or they just leave you because it happens clients are here they're gone tomorrow so if they leave you does, do you no longer have a business so I'm always explaining to people that it's good to have these people they bring attention to your business but you should always focus on what your product is so that when people look at your business, they don't come there, it's kind of like, okay, Anthony Joshua comes here and they come here and all they see is Anthony Joshua on the page. No, they see the product that I sell. Yeah. And Anthony Joshua is part of that, or the product which I'm selling in the sense of the haircuts I give him. But then when you look for my page, you just see haircuts, haircuts, haircuts. And the thing which I sell, my talks, you know, me teaching people, but you see all of that stuff there. So then hopefully you come there and now you stay because of what you now see. And it's just an important message for people, you know, use no, 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 no that sounds bad use these guys but you know use the attention you get from these guys to promote the thing that you sell but don't make these guys the thing that you sell because you don't own them and they can leave you at any time you know and then suddenly your product's gone <laughs> so in a way it's not really changed much from when you were 18 cutting people's cutting your cousin's hair yeah, yeah, yeah. in your mom's house yeah. that hasn't changed it's, i can do this do you want it done yeah I'm, yeah, I'm still here yeah. I'm still here cutting hair I'm still selling the same product you know just on a lot bigger level with a lot more people helping me you know and obviously I've added other things to my roster like you know talks and teaching and all that stuff there but yeah I'm still a barber <laughs> that was Mark McIver for more news interviews and analysis you can't do better than going to standard.co.uk forward slash business or pick up the newspaper how to be a CEO is released first thing every Monday morning Let's meet again then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.